0: Hello and welcome back to the Sustainable Business Covered podcast. Coming up on today's episode, we get under the hood of a new business net zero strategy that is focusing on electric vehicles.
1: So, offices are, are a bit more simple. So, where we've got sort of maybe vehicles going into our own offices, but actually going onto sites, then a lot of our sites, again, that we operate are within city centres and space is a premium.
0: And we hear from podcast sponsors EDF Energy to find out the key business considerations when looking to integrate EVs.
2: Some businesses like to almost dip their toe in the water and sort of experience how they could electrify in phases Uh, and and I would encourage probably businesses to take that approach rather than
0: take no action at all. So yes, hello and welcome back to the Edie podcast. It may be Brexit day, so good or bad, depending on where you sit on that, but it's also the last day of January, and for some dry January, and for others payday, so no matter what's your political outlook, there's certainly reasons to be cheerful today on Friday the 31st of January. And here to capture some of that cheer in all its audio glory is me, Edie's content editor Matt Mace. Bring you a podcast special based on ED and EDF Energy's Masterclass series on electric vehicles. So, over the next couple of months, uh, the two organisations will be bringing uh, the ED audience a series of bespoke content based on the business integration of electric vehicles. We actually started earlier this week with a new download called the Business Guide to Fleet Electrification, which is available via the ED website, and explores all the business considerations when looking into EV integration, and today's podcast will build on that discussion uh, and will also be publishing case studies and a dedicated webinar on the subject over the coming weeks as well. And it's a timely series to run too. In the past week alone, the Green Alliance has claimed that implementing stronger policies around walking, cycling and in particular electric vehicles and energy efficiency in homes would enable the government to save the NHS at least £3.7 billion per year. Elsewhere, the European Automobile Manufacturers Association has published a 10-point master plan outlining how it thinks car makers can help implement the European Commission's new all-encompassing Green Deal through the uptake of electric vehicles. And at a business level, uh, a new corporate electric vehicle alliance aimed at helping businesses to accelerate the transition to EVs is being spearheaded by some of the world's most recognisable corporates, including Amazon's, IKEA and Siemens. So on the surface, the benefits of EVs seem obvious for a firm that's looking to reduce their carbon footprint. But the corporate sphere is starting to shift beyond those kind of incremental reductions we've associated with energy efficiency, with many businesses targeting net zero emissions over the last year or so. So does that change anything in an EV strategy as a result? So for the first part of this Electric Vehicle Masterclass podcast episode, uh, we're going to be hearing from a company that has set a bold new net zero ambition to hear about EVs will kind of act as one of the key pillars <clears throat> of that strategy. Uh, earlier this month, in fact, uh, around about two weeks ago, uh, private-owned construction firm Weights Group committed to new goals that target zero waste from all on-site operations and zero carbon emissions from operations and vehicle fleets by 2025. Uh, The company has outlined switching to an all-electric commercial vehicle fleet, eliminating single-use plastics from supply chains and operations, and planting 5,000 trees annually uh, as steps it will introduce to help reach that 2025 ambition. Uh, Weights, which employs almost 4,000 people, will use the next 12 months to engage staff and collect data to set accurate benchmarks as it targets zero impacts from its operations. And joining me on the phone right now is the group's Health, Safety, Environment and Quality Director, John Dunn. Uh, so John, thank you for dialing in uh, this morning and congratulations on, on getting that target out into the, to, to the public. Uh, it's, it's one of the more ambitious ones we've seen on ED. What's the response been like since, uh, since you went live with it, so to speak?
1: Hey, thanks, Mike. Yeah, well, it, it, it's been fantastic, actually. Um, really, really positive. Uh, we've had lots of um, uh, feedback from um, uh, industry, the industry itself, our peers within the industry, uh, customers, and lots and lots of sort of uh, contacts from suppliers and manufacturers of uh, sustainable solutions. So, but really, right, you know, straight away, I'd say it's been overwhelmingly positive. You know, lots of congratulations, well done, uh, but also then a bit of an appreciation of how hard it's going to be. So no, no one, no one really thinks it's going to be easy, and, and nor do we. Uh, it's going to take a lot of work and uh, a lot of collaboration with uh, you know uh, most of the people that have contacted us so far.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely separate, especially with a twenty twenty five target as well. Extremely ambitious, and and so as we mentioned, we're we're focusing this episode on on the EV aspect of the strategy, uh, which mentions switching to an all electric commercial fleet. I suppose a good place to start is just. Getting the current state of your your vehicle fleet is is have EVs been integrated so far? Is there is there a kind of a percentage you can give, or is this is this kind of a, a clean slate and you're you're going from from zero pretty much?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's a, it's pretty much a clean slate. Um, we uh, if I just sort of um, uh, you know give you an idea of the sort of size of the fleet and what it's made up of. So we've got about seven hundred vehicles in our. Um, a commercial fleet, and that's spread right across the UK. Um, and we also have around 186 um, what we class as sort of personal company cars. Um, but particularly for this exercise and what we've decided to do um, between now and 2025 is focus on our commercial fleet, because we believe, uh, rightly, that, you know, we've got to get our own house in order before we start to uh, sort of, um, you know, focus on the sort of uh, the, the personal choice of individuals. So the commercial fleet itself is mainly made up of transit-type vans, um, and we have a number uh, within that as well of mid sized, sort of smaller vans that are driven by supervisors or inspectors. Um, and it's pretty much a nationwide business right across the UK. Uh, so it's, uh, at the moment we are trialling, so we've got a couple of um, uh, uh, sort of fully electric uh, uh, Nissan Uh, vehicles um, that we're uh, trialing in the centre of London, and also uh, we've got a sort of new electric smart car um, on trial for our supervisors. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's very much early days, and we've got lots and lots of things to uh, consider um, before uh, we sort of, you know, uh, fully embark on this sort of journey.
0: And, and what would you say are the, the major considerations that you are looking at around, especially around the, the, the trials and the pilots you're, you're testing right now?
1: Yeah, so it's around practicality of operating that fleet. Um, <clears throat> what you've got to consider is almost all of that vehicle fleet is driven home at night uh, by our workforce. Uh, many of them live within city centres, within tower blocks and apartments. Many of them don't have access to off-road parking. Uh, so we've got, to, we've got to consider practically how vehicles are charged. It's essential that that, keep, uh, that fleet keeps going. As I say, we operate, operate across the country, but we, we you know, we maintain about half a million social um, homes uh, throughout the year, um, and, and maintaining that um, that activity is essential. So it's it's the the real practicalities of how we charge the vehicles and keep them going. We couldn't afford for a vehicle vehicle to be um, off the road. So we've got to look at sort of, you know, uh, you know is it practical to, to have those vehicles returned to depots at night um, uh, where they can then be picked up in the morning? But that again does affect sort of travelling times and travelling distances. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's many of those things, you know, and also sort of site as well. So, offices are, are, are a bit more simple. So, where we've got sort of maybe vehicles going into our own offices. Um, but actually going on to sites then, a lot of our sites, again, that we operate are within city centres, and space is a premium. Um, parking space is a premium, never mind sort of fitting in sort of a, a, a charging points. So, yeah, lots to consider, but also a real big consideration, Matt, is the types of vehicles that are available right now. So we have a problem with, uh, we have a current problem with the weight that our vehicles carry around. they carry around lots of materials, um, you know, plywood, uh, different types of plumbing and heating materials. So weights uh, is a big consideration for us. And we're already at the sort of limit of the sort of weight that our vehicles carry around. So that plus the sort of batteries that would be fitted into vehicles, um, we have to, again, consider the sort of, you know, how, how we sort of arrange our working practices around that.
0: <clears throat> that's a, that's an interesting point, John, because I, um, I was I was reading through the, the annual report um, before this call, and uh, I noted that your, your operational f- fleet... Um, is now using on average uh, 11.5 litres per 100 kilometres which is down from just under 17 litres um, so it sounds like you've done some work around I, and I don't know whether that's just fuel efficiency or whether that's <coughs> logistics or, or lightweighting but it sounds like you, you've kind of taken the behaviour change aspect into your operational fleet already
1: Yes, no, absolutely. Uh, there are, and, and again, you know, this is just this one of the things, you know, electric vehicles are sort of one of the things that we're considering and working on. Education around driving efficiency is a major part of what we do now. So we'll, we're introducing a sort of, and we have already in parts of the business, introduced a permit to drive, which require fleet drivers to undergo additional training. It includes better, more efficient and safer driving uh, techniques. We currently fit telematics, um, and we've started again to widen that out across the fleet. Um, that enables us to track vehicle distances, speeds, enables us to manage better planning of vehicle movements. And it's really, as you say, it's education and awareness, simple messages. You know, for example, um, at the start of last year, we sort of uh, told drivers that you know, having the right tyre pressure in our vans can help reduce our fuel bill uh, by, by about at least sort of 4%. You know, that's a £60,000 saving annually just by one simple message on a 1.5 million pound fuel bill so just a very very simple uh, change to a behaviour or a habit uh, can make a big difference
0: no definitely and as well as that as well i think it was it also mentioned that the kind of the average employee in terms of traveling by car train and plane is is also down in terms of uh, emissions so what what type of what type of schemes have you got in place there for for away from the operational fleet
1: yeah so um and, and this is you know it's never easy, but I think we've got a lot better over the last year or so, and that's around our sort of um, one messaging around uh, you know not traveling if you if if you don't have to so you know we're, we're typically in this industry you know we sort of we, we have a lot of meetings, probably like other industries, but in ours we're great at meeting you know uh, two or three hours at a time people travelling great distances to get to those meetings there's some actually travelling. Uh, it takes them longer to travel to the meeting than the time of the meeting is itself. So we've really invested in a lot of um, video conferencing facilities. We've rolled out um, Skype for Business on all of our uh, sort of laptops, PCs uh, and desktops um, so that people have got access to it and, and, then, and we're really just encouraging people. We, we've introduced a new travel policy. Um, travel expenses policy that, that that sort of again you know asks people to consider travel uh, you know traveling um, and actually don't travel if you don't have to. so I think that's that there's some of the things that have really made a difference um, uh, up, up to this point but I think we've got you know we recognize we've still got a, a sort of um, a big chunk to go at um, and if you look at our uh, you know the sort of you know the, the majority of our sort of emissions come from, that's go One and Two, um, and we believe you know if we look at our electricity, so 74%. We've got to 74% this year of electricity comes from renewable sources, um, and we believe if we can sort of tackle now the sort of um, uh, you know the impact from our fleet, we've got a real good chance of meeting our 2025 target.
0: That's um that's really good to know, and and do you expect EVs to impact that? <clears throat> the 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 electricity demand that came from renewables will you know will that will that go up will that go down as a result especially if you're going to start looking at like on site charging for example
1: uh, uh, yeah well, uh, yeah that's a good point um, and again uh, the, when we sort of our electricity at the moment so we use a single energy provider so having that single energy provider in place allows them then to be able to sort of um, to buy uh, the best uh, energy from the best sources and having them in place has allowed us to sort of get to a high level of 76% in terms of renewable. So we won't see that sort of changing. Um, I think the on-site stuff, as I say, is quite, it, 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 I think that will be easier to manage. It's the off site, it's the public um, sort of charging that will be, our, I think, our biggest challenge. Um, if, if, we, if, it, if we can't get it to work where our sort of vehicles can be left in a depot overnight, then we're gonna be relying on sort of the accessibility of public charging. Um, and that's something that we'd really, really like to see sort of improve over the next couple of years. I mean, that's really going to be a sort of make or break, I think, for us over the next few years. You're seeing that sort of investment, and we, you know, even in your own uh, magazine this week, where you talked about the sort of DFT setting aside the 10 million pound uh, for the installation of EV charges. I mean, that's fantastic. We really, really welcome that. But it's it, we've still got a big challenge, haven't we? We've got to get more sort of. Uh, more access to charging facilities
0: and actually faster charging as well. So It sounds like you pretty much answered my next question, but I will ask in case there's anything else to add to that <laughs> other than the, the kind of public charging aspect. So are there any kind of external enablers, whether that's policy, whether it is collaboration, which I know you touched on at the start, um, that you feel, yeah. you, you know, that really needs to kind of accelerate in 2020 to help you meet your 2025 targets?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I guess I guess one would be we sort of uh, we need those local authorities to start taking advantage of those funds uh, to create more options for charging. Um, But I mean, it really is a challenge. And if you you look at, say, if you compare, say, fuel stations. So we have about what eight and a half thousand fuel stations in the UK, I think, round about that. And the public spend typically around five minutes on average in fuel station. So you know, if we can get that kind of solution in place for electric vehicles usage i mean that's that's where we're really going to sort of see a, a, it take off the tipping point and and it, you know it, it's going to come i think the society will move towards electric vehicles but we've got some work to do um charging times are still um a bit longer uh than then we could probably you know, you know practically work with right now um, so i'd like to see sort of manufacturers coming up with sort of faster charging facilities more we're still at sort of I think it's 9 EV to every one charger in the UK uh, which is good uh, but we sort of uh, you know we need to sort of uh, be installing more I mean for example you know even even myself for electric vehicles so I've got we're off um, uh, we're on sorry on street parking and the nearest charging point to me is about half a mile away Um, and and then probably, typically, you're looking at a sort of. It's a, it's a sort of 7.5 kilowatt charger, and it takes probably about between four and six hours to charge a vehicle. So it's it, it, you know we're not quite there yet in terms of sort of practi- in the practical sense. So it's increasing the n- number of public chargers that would be fantastic. Um, you know, increase the number of rapid chargers, um, and 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 actually just sort of you know more. You know, I guess more of avail- availability or um, or types of sort of vehicles that you can get that are fully electric.
0: Okay, John. Well, that's that's been a great introduction to uh, Waiters' EV ambitions and of course that wider net zero uh, target. Uh, and I'm sure we at ED will be uh, hoping to keep up to date on the latest happenings with that ambition um, that that your company set. Um, we've kind of come to the end of this segment, John. So thank you so much, uh, so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much, Matt. Yeah, pleasure. Great. And yeah, like I said, um, it'd be great to keep in touch uh, about those targets. So I'm, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll be open to, to speaking again later in the year. So a big thank you for John for taking part in that call. And yes, we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on Waits' net zero strategy going forward. That's it for part one of this episode, though. So pause here if you need to, but join us for part two, where we speak to EDF Energy's resident EV expert to explore the key questions and considerations for EV fleets. Okay, so we've heard from an organization that is charting their transition to an all electric fleet, but there have been plenty of early movers in this area from the likes of IKEA to UPS, for example. And what all of the early leaders of this EV revolution will tell you is that energy is a key aspect of it renewable energy and electric vehicles can really strengthen one another and that will certainly be appealing to businesses, especially those charting decarbonisation or net zero strategies over the coming years. And as we heard from John at Waits earlier, surrounding EVs with the correct infrastructure is not an easy task. And that's why uh, EDF Energy are not only the uh, sponsors of uh, this masterclass and therefore this podcast episode, but the company's electric vehicle lead, uh, Phil Valerino, is is joining us now to discuss um, the uh, the integration of electric vehicles into business fleets across that whole. Kind of spectrum that matrix if you will that kind of looks at the the vehicle itself that the energies to power it and the and the, the the infrastructure that surrounds it so um firstly thank you for joining me today phil it's a pleasure to speak to you thanks for having me on thank you and so earlier in this episode, uh, we kind of heard from a business that, that's building their, their business case for electric vehicles, especially in relation to their ongoing transition to net zero um, emissions. And I think a few of the, the barriers that were highlighted were quite technological based. Um, there's a whole kind of spectrum of the range of vehicles that businesses can use, the range of charges they can use, and, and I suppose even the energy that can be used to to power them, so I suppose a good place um, to start uh, with our chat Phil, just to be a, kind of get a whistle stop tour of of what you feel the key considerations are for businesses when they when they look at electric vehicles, um, and there is such a plethora of options. You know what what do businesses need to account for to make sure that they are getting the right solutions in place to help with sustainability strategies.
2: Well, I think first of all they need to look at their basic business needs see whether their actual operation can be developed to integrate electric vehicles. Because what we don't want to do is go too early if your specific operation doesn't support it. Now, having said that, what that means in practice is you may not need to go 100% uh, in the short term to electric. Um, often we find that some businesses like to almost dip their toe in the water and uh, sort of experience how they could electrify um in in phases uh, and i and i would encourage probably businesses to take that approach rather than take no action at all and wait for wait for the 100% solution to to come in um so in, in summary i would suggest that businesses um just take the plunge invest in one or two charge points one or two vehicles see how they integrate into the into your business operation and then start to learn from there and develop develop it from from there particularly if you're a smaller business i would suggest
0: and and is that what you you are finding that businesses businesses are doing they're kind of they set these long-term targets to transition 200 but the the actual the actual i suppose the the steps they take behind that are much more incremental and, and it sounds like that's, that's the better way to go. Is that what you're seeing in, in, in the marketplace?
2: Well, A few of the companies that we've been dealing with have certainly taken that approach. Um, although they have set their, their objective to be 100% um, electric by X date, mm. um, the, the fact that the rollout of EVs takes time um, through the various project phases so from from design to actually choosing your vehicle type to integrating it into your business operation all all that takes time Um, so you couldn't literally flick a switch Mm -hmm. and suddenly electrify um, in in one fell swoop so the, 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 the rollout of electric vehicles in a fleet does take an incremental approach but as more and more vehicle models come online more and more options for charging and the more and more business propositions come to market in this um, in this very um, quickly developing space, I think it will become more and more easy for
1: businesses to electrify.
0: Yeah, so obviously um, EDF Energy partnered with us on our business guide for, for fleet electrification, um, that report which obviously went uh, live earlier this week. Um, and that kind of outlined the, the different uh, vehicles in terms of, of range and power and also the, the different uh, charges from slow, fast and, and, um, and rapid. And we do have a link to that guide uh, that's accompanying the, uh, the article uh, for this podcast. And, and as I mentioned, within all that complexity, all those different options, it's perhaps um, easy for the benefits for businesses uh, in terms of electric vehicle use and indeed charging to to get lost, um, where do you see electric vehicles um, sitting within that that kind of net zero transition that we're seeing? I mean, again, you, you mentioned it depends on the size of the business, but fleets and transport are such a huge source of emissions that that nationally this is this is something that has to happen, right? That's right.
2: Um, cars and vans are the um largest um, contributors to CO2 emissions. I think in total, they, they, they emit well over or contribute well over 90 um, million tons of CO2. Um, and therefore, the pathway to net zero or deep decarbonization of transport by 2050 um, involves quite drastic action to, um, in the space of electric vehicles, so car, cars and vans. Um, today, there are just over two hundred and fifty thousand um electric vehicles on the road um, we reckon that by the early mid 2020s uh, which is pretty much you know tomorrow around the corner we'll be getting to those that one million um eV milestone quite quickly uh, and then we see from 2030 onwards um our forecast plus lots of other um analyst forecasts are showing that 2030 to 2035 will be the tipping point um can't really go much later than that if we do want to hit this net zero by 2050 that is our legally binding um uh, obligation
0: so yeah uh, the the milestones and the the tipping point they mentioned all sound you know extremely promising and i think the the uptake in electric vehicles over the last five years has been uh very promising in general but it sounds like as we get towards those tipping points, the, the infrastructure, there's going to be some challenges around that, not just in terms of uh, the, the number of charges that businesses or indeed public organisations have access to, but also how the electricity um, is used. I'm, I'm imagining that's something that EDF Energy are looking quite heavily at to make sure that, you know, there is no unintended consequences as EV uptakes happen.
2: Yeah. Quite right. So just to put that into context, so today with the number of EVs on the road today, and the indicative additional demand in terawatt hours per annum is is about you know about half a terawatt hour. So you know that doesn't really move the needle in terms of extra energy consumed by uh, or required by by electric vehicles. Um, As we go forward, um, as we hit sort of the the uh, one million cars or EVs on the road, we. Would expect about potentially a one percent increase in uh, electricity consumption per annum, um, which is you know more more electricity. Therefore, it's key that that extra electricity generation uh, is is low carbon. Otherwise, you're just exacerbating the problem, and you're moving. You, know, you, you you you're playing into the argument of you you are just uh, concentrating carbon emissions around power stations or generating stations as opposed to and moving it off the road as opposed to fixing the problem um, at at root. Um, so the as as the number of vehicles increase, potentially energy well energy demand increases uh, when you get to all vehicles um, on. On, on the road being electric, that could add up to about 100 terawatt hours of, of um, electricity consumption. Uh, so that is up to you know up to a third more re- energy required, which could, um, if this isn't low carbon generation, bring us a problem you know for obvious reasons. And um, so it's not it's not just a case of requiring um, requiring you know a third more generation to uh, to satisfy the charging needs of, of electric vehicles. It's a, it's, it's a, charging more smartly, um, and, um, being able to, you know, rather than adding generating capacity, uh, using the, the full extent of the, our generation fleet, you know, as a, as a, as, as GB, and charging vehicles in, in, in a smart fashion. So that's going to really open up the, the, the market and the opportunity for, for smart charging and exciting business propositions around around
0: that, and and so by by smart charging then I'm I'm just I've got the um I've got the report in front of me and obviously the the forward that you penned and you mentioned um, in there the the go electric tariff uh, freebies, which you launched in June in 2019 um, and what it says here is you you offer substantially reduced uh, overnight charge costs along the option to purchase an at-home charger and at lease an EV. Um, so are those the type of, of incentives that businesses need to look for to, to ensure that that increase in, in charging capacity is, is, is really taken up, not just um, by business, but that staff are fully engaged with it as well?
2: Uh, yeah, so our Go Electric tariff is more of a, is a is a residential proposition, mm. um, and your substanti- substantially reduced rate is we're talking at a an off-peak rate of about eight pence a unit, so that is about fifty percent of 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 just standard um, electricity electricity unit. Um, the beauty of our Go Electric tariff is that you get um, effectively half-price electricity for up to ninety-eight hours a week. So during your peak hours, uh, sorry, off-peak hours, uh, and overnight, and also on weekends. Um, so that's a, you know, a significant, um, an attractive financial saving there. And obviously, we're working to update our tariffs all the time um, to to make this a, a really attractive offering for customers to go electric um, by, you know, saving saving money, saving uh, the. There reducing their carbon emissions, and also you know, have, having fun because driving an EV is is, is great fun. Um, on the business side, uh, we have a number of bespoke. So you, you tend to do bespoke bilateral contracts with with large businesses, um, and our our pricing structures will reflect will reflect the different um, times of use of that energy, and we would and we work with. Businesses to give them um, competitive rates um, aligned to, you know, the wholesale wholesale market rates. In effect, we can slice and dice um, tariff rates into different time bands um, to make sure that businesses, as well as um, uh, residential customers, can make the most of um, can make the most of smart charging to benefit um, themselves, their fleet, and their and their business business accounts.
0: And, and you mentioned some of the, the uh, incentives there that it's not just, you know, it's not just a carbon benefit, there, there are the, the financial, the cost benefits and, and the fact that, you know, electric vehicles, as you mentioned, are just, are just fun to drive. From, from a business perspective, from the, you know, the, the companies that you've spoken to, what, what seems to be the main, the main appeal? Is it, is it the, the potential carbon savings or, or is it the fact that, that electric vehicles are kind of radically becoming very kind of um, appealing financially or, or is it a bit of a mix of the whole, the whole aspect?
2: A bit of a mix, but today we're seeing two types of customers, those who, or two types of businesses, those who are really driven by the economics. Um, you know, nowadays there are some very um, attractive uh, economic benefits, like the uh, so on your on your fleet, so, your, so car fleet. Um, from April, there'll be a zero benefit in kind tax. Um, coming in for the next tax year, then rising to 1% and 2% thereafter. That will offer significant savings and very attractive for for company car drivers, Uh, and therefore companies will be attracted to that. Um, There's also the significant fuel saving uh, that electric vehicles um, provide, um, versus conventional fuels, um, yes, there is the argument that uh, the electric vehicles in the first place are slightly more expensive, but there is a there is a strong economic case um, based on usage and charging, um, and, um, and and shift pattern that that make EVs win over ICE cars uh, in a in in certain contexts. Um, so you have businesses that are more led by the economics and some others that just, you know, it, principally, in, as part of their principles, they want to go low carbon and they want to unlock the CSR benefits and environmental benefits um, that are important to their own customers and their own brand. And therefore, they are taking taking a view and taking an approach where they are um, investing in EVs um, as as I must say, as, as one ingredient as part of a whole host of their CSR, CSR um, plan, um and they they tend to look at the environmental benefits first and then um supplement them with the economic with the economic um advantages.
0: I think electric vehicles when we write about them the ones that pick up a lot of traction or when we see like trials of like vehicle to grid ones or when it when it's kind of um a business can you know essentially become part of a, a community that kind of trades um ideally low carbon energy across the grid are there any kind of technological advances that you're seeing in this area that that you think are, are going to be really exciting for businesses even if they're perhaps quite not market ready yet
2: well v- vehicle to grid which i think you you touched on earlier um well, it's a technology whereby electric electric vehicles' batteries are used to store energy and discharge it back to the grid. And it, 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 so it goes a step beyond the simple one-way smart charging. It's a two-way exchange of energy. And it enables, it enables numerous benefits to customers and, and the environment. So um, we actually are working on – we, we have a, a commercial proposition out in the market currently uh, – linked to uh, vehicle to grid and what it does is it, it lowers the cost of ownership of an electric vehicle because it allows you to earn revenue from having that vehicle um, as long as you're plugged in at certain times. Uh, so that helps you uh, economically but also um, from a CSR perspective it also supports the grid and uh, basically allows for the introduction of more and more renewable generation. To, to come onto the grid so in this in this offer that we are that, that we have actually out in market and it's resonating with 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 customers currently we, we offer a V2G charger and its installation for a similar price to a smart charger um, with its uh, with ongoing support and maintenance and we also um, offer to pay a customer up to thirty pounds a month in revenue per charger um, for being plugged in at certain times um, revenue that's generated from non entry cost uh, savings and also uh, certain grid schemes. Um, the equivalent of well sorry th- th- this is the equivalent of 8,000 free miles uh, per annum What's 8,000 free driving miles um, in return for plugging plugging in at certain times to support the grid.
0: So it sounds like there's um, a lot being done that that's really. I think that that myth that electric vehicles are probably too costly is slowly being um, dispelled by the sounds of it. And um, Phil, it's it's been great to have you on today. So we're kind of approaching the end of, of this episode. Um, so I think um, to finish on a nice kind of succinct soundbite, um, it'd be great just to get a a kind of one-sentence um, soundbite. So in your words, what you feel that the biggest opportunity that EVs represent for businesses that are looking to set or reach net zero targets?
2: Well, the, the, the biggest opportunity from uh, owning an EV or switching to EVs is the very real reduction in CO2 that it, that it gives you from day one. The, you know, the minute you switch to an electric vehicle, you are no longer emitting carbon Um, You're doing your bit for the environment and given the attractive um, benefits, the economic benefits uh, from switching to EV from both tax and reductions in fuel costs, you're also saving money from day one.
0: Nice way to to put it there for those uh, businesses that are perhaps still on on the fence uh, there. And and it's a great note to end on. So I want to say uh, thank you to to Phil and indeed uh, EDF Energy for your insight today. Uh, Thank you for taking time out of what's probably a, a very busy schedule to speak to me.
2: You're welcome. Thank you very much
0: for having me on. Great. And for those listening, we do have the the remainder of this Masterclass series. So there's a a webinar coming up on the 27th of February and there's going to be, uh, I believe, case studies in the works as um, well. So look out for them because they will build on the, the insight that Phil has given today. So hopefully you enjoyed the insight provided by Phil there. And it should be mentioned that since we recorded that chat, uh, the Royal Mail Group has signed a deal with EDF in the UK to deliver EV infrastructure. Uh, Apparently this will support Royal Mail Group's commitment under the Optimise Prime project, which is the world's largest commercial electric vehicle project. Uh, The three-year framework is going to see EDF Energy provide charging points associated, maintenance and ancillary items such as signs, bollards and will stops. Uh, the initial scope for the agreement will see charges installed on the Royal Mail Group sites in the south east of England, and this could potentially uh, increase as required. Um, so there you have it. One of the largest commercial EV fleets in the UK is now using EDF Energy's expertise to strengthen their strategy and that just about puts us to the end of today's episode and thanks again goes to the sponsors of this episode edf energy and if you are interested in finding more about electric vehicles from them please do go to edfenergy.com forward slash large business forward slash energy solutions forward slash electric vehicles there'll be a link accompanying this uh podcast in the article uh, as well for ease of navigation as for myself and the rest of the ED team, we'll be making our grand return at the Sustainability Leaders Forum next week in early February, bringing you two back to back episodes filled to the brim with exclusives from the leading sustainability businesses as we ask them what will define business leadership in the decade of deliverance. And if you want to be notified about those episodes, or indeed listen to our previous backlog, then do search Sustainable Business Covered on both iTunes and Spotify, or you can search Sustainable Business Covered on the ED website. Hopefully, I'll see some of you at the forum next week, but until then, goodbye.